So I have two very smart children. I've actually reproduced twice. Ba-bam! Got your Social Security payments taken care of, Mr. Renati, my children. Uh, that's why I always say at my school shows, everybody go home, do your homework, get good jobs, and take care of us when we're older. The parents in the back going, yay! Hey, everybody, this is Ray Renati, and you've reached Green Room On Air, a part of Green Room Radio. That's right. How y'all doing? I'm doing okay. Just finished a production of Mama Mia at City College of San Francisco. Got to play Sam. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Just uh, some information for those of you out there who might be residents of San Francisco. want to make you aware of the fact that the Board of Regents, I believe it's called the Board of Regents at City College of San Francisco, is planning on doing away with the annual musical. They've been producing a musical there for decades. And because of budget cuts, they've decided that the musical has to go. So do what you can to support them. Call the City College, find out what's happening. I know there are some meetings and some protests. You might want to find them on Facebook. Just do some Googling. Write to your board of supervisors, whatever you have to do if you're interested in keeping the musical at the City College of San Francisco. All right, today we have a very special guest. Her name is Maureen McVary. She's been a fixture of entertainment here in San Francisco and the entire Bay Area for well over three decades. She's the winner of seven. That's right, seven, seven. Seven, what? Seven San Francisco Bay Area Theater Critic Circle Awards. That's a big deal, people. That's our main theater award ceremony here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And she's won seven. I don't know anybody who's won that many. She's won two Dramalogue Awards. She's been in a, num- in a number of films. She's been in a ton of plays and musicals, but she's been in a number of films. Uh, the credits for those include Nine Months, Oh, remember that movie with Robin Williams? That was hilarious. The Deadpool, Big Business, True Believer, Howard the Duck. Oh, Howard the Duck. Some say that's one of the worst movies ever made. However, I love it. Check it out. I think it's hilarious. The Ox in the Eye and Crackers. On TV, she's been on Full House. Remember that show, Full House, with the twins, the little twins, the Olsen twins when they were little girls? And Divorce Court. Woo! Divorce Court. <laughs> In 1993, Maureen McVeary created the, her, uh, her own one-person show called Very McVeary. It's evolved into a cabaret show, and she's performed it for over 25 years. In San Francisco, she's performed this show at the Oasis, Feinstein's, the New Conservatory Theater, the Herbst Theater, the Plush Room. Ah, oh, the Plush Room. I remember it so well. It's gone. What a great great venue that was the venetian room the gateway theater and the alcazar theater very mcvary the show very mcvary has also been performed at 88s in new york city and the gardenia room in los angeles and other venues nationally in 2012 her show very mcvary was nominated for the best solo show in the san francisco bay area 
Her next performance is coming up next weekend, Saturday, May 18th at the Oasis, 7 p.m. You can get your tickets at sfoasis.com. That's sfoasis.com, 7 p.m. I had a great conversation with Maureen. It was a lot of fun. She's one of the funniest people I know. If you go see her, folks, I guarantee you you're going to have a great time. I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. She's a real pro. She's, she's absolutely hilarious. Her acting chops are up there with the best of them. She can make you laugh, cry, and jump to your feet in joy. And she has a wonderful singing voice and a ton of experience. I've seen her perform many times, and it's always a special treat. Okay, everybody. Get ready now for my conversation with Maureen McVeary. Here it is. Well, I do say that about theater. It's such a weird thing where you can be in one show with somebody and love that person and have so much fun and you never stop talking and then you don't work for like six years again. I know, you never talk again. You know, well, like one of the few, Jackson and I have have grown very close, like my true actor friend. And I think it was a, a, a bunch of convoluting forces but he's like my true acting friend and that we do that we did uh, stay very close and and I don't know how, but you know we're actually for, for separate of birth we're fraternal twins we have the same birthday so year everything he's actually two years old, older than me so maybe it was that connection but also just a bunch of things but I do agree with you and I and I love my friends. I, Diane McBride and I had so much fun together. I see her like every, you know, like six, eight months if I'm lucky. And I just enjoy her company tremendously. It's just a weird profession. There's no if buts about it. So I know. It's, it's, and it's hard to keep real friendships, you know? Yeah, yeah, because you're either talking in the lobby of a theater after a show or at an intermission or something. Speaking of shows, um, I do have some plugs, not only of my own show. I loved ACT's Vanity Fair. I thought it was just wonderful. I disagreed with both of the reviews, even though I really like Chad Jones. Somehow that they found the music kind of dropped the energy. I didn't find that at all. I thought it was a tremendous return of joy to the stage at the Geary. I really, really liked that. I'm, I'm enthused about this Pat McKinnon, Pam McKinnon, I think her name is. Uh, I don't know if there's still time. I think it might have closed today or maybe next weekend. The Diary of Anne Frank at Walnut Creek is beyond perfect. Just absolutely perfect. No, Vanity Fair just opened. And then I went and saw 110 in the Shade, which is... The, the Moon's new show, which is based on The Rainmaker, and the people who wrote the music were the people who wrote The Fantastics, um, Tom Jones and blah, 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 that person. Anyways, yeah. it's very moving. It's very well done. It's a beautiful production, and it's a lovely score, and it really works. So 110 in the Shade. So that just opened. So I'm, just okay. yeah, I'm on quite a little roll here. And then my own show yeah, is about in three weeks. So I shouldn't be going out. I should be staying home and learning lyrics. My show is on a Saturday night at the Oasis at on 11th and Folsom. And um, I'm a huge fan of the Oasis. 
Uh, so I'm thrilled that I get to be in there on a Saturday night. It's got the prettiest stage in San Francisco. Uh, Darcy, I don't know if Darcy or Hecklina uh, designed it, but it's a perfect jewel box stage. Just nobody looks ugly on that stage. Just a beautiful stage. Um, and the actual environment at the Oasis is so welcoming. Uh, it is like my cheers because I go see a lot of shows there. And it's just so wonderful how that kind of warm... Um, atmosphere in a theater that draws so many a cross-section of humanity because they do spoofs of tv shows so like i've seen sex in this i was in um three's company live but i've seen sex in the city live and buffy the vampire slayer live and star trek live and you will laugh your butt off it's i just saw charles bush there in his solo show and it was just fantastic i didn't even know about this yeah so they do this regularly yeah they do it regularly and i do consider darcy jollinger an amazing creative force and hecklina had the best uh, what's it called when uh when something happens and somebody comes up with a quick line in front of an audience um a comeback Comebacks. a comeback yeah oh my god out of nowhere um I don't know if you're familiar with Matthew Martin, very funny drag queen. So we're doing Three's Company, and I'm he's playing my wife. I'm uh, Mr. Roper, and she's Mrs. Roper, and she's heading to the showers, and as she turns her back, I'm, okay, good night, everybody. And as she turns her back to leave the stage, some very, very recognizable female voice goes, woohoo! And she, like, the whole place went silent, like, what? <laughs> like, woohoo! Like, woo, sexy. Somebody in the audience. <laughs> Somebody in the audience. <laughs> and then Matthew turned around and looked. I mean, it was just hilarious. And, of course, Matthew made, like, you know, Matthew made everybody laugh at that. It was really very funny. And then Hecklina was on stage, and out of nowhere she said, I can't believe we're doing theater for the blind now. And I almost, I almost fell over the stage manager, and I almost couldn't stand up. Very, very funny people. So wow. they own the place. They run a great a great bar it's got cement floors i'm kind of a I south know. of market girl it kind of reminds me of a s smaller version of oh what's the place where all the bands play the big place oh they did the, yeah the great american music hall yeah 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 yeah, yeah very nice yeah. and uh like i said the staff is great and with all due respect to feinstein's it's, it's a pricey place to go to you know the Price drinks nice? yeah oh, the I drinks are expensive the cover charge is expensive <laughs> but um so um I love I, Oasis. I, I love, love Oasis, yeah. yeah. So I had done a show at Feinstein's, and I thought, no, I'm, I want to do a show at Oasis. So I went back to the original solo show. I've always called my show Very McBerry um, since I started it. And mm -hmm. like 94, I think, was the first time I got yeah. up on stage by myself. Um, and it's always just about me, my life starring me. I used to do them about every five years, mm -hmm. you know, for no apparent reason. But now I'm doing like every two years. I guess I'm getting older and I'm running out of time. So yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> I have more opinions. <laughs> if you get to be my age and you don't well, have a... There's a lot of material now, too. Yeah. Well, I'm not... I'm, I'm doing not just political. a little bit political, but yeah. I just... I live in a constant state of outrage and I'm just exhausted by Isn't it. Isn't it terrible? Oh. It's beyond terrible. And I'm actually, I actually, after the election, I uh, canceled my su subscription to the Chronicle, something that people in the Chron Bay Area don't know. The Chronicle is a very, very conservative paper nationwide. Um, it does not, the, the actual publisher is not, it, it endorsed George Bush in 92. Let's not forget that. Anyways, 
I don't have a TV. I took cable out after Rick died because I was never leaving my house. So I don't ever see anything on TV. I have no image of Charlottesville. I have no image of anything. I don't have any of that in my brain, right? Since I don't see the news, right? Well, I only heard Hillary on, and I saw pictures in the newspaper, and I heard her on the radio. And the pictures in the newspaper, in the Chronicle, mind you, every single picture looked like she was about to die within two days. Very unflattering photographs. Her eyes looked puffy. She looked uncomfortable. And every picture of Trump, he looked presidential. So I canceled my subscription, and I wrote a letter to the editor. And I said, if you don't think that people like me notice that, then you're nuts. Inappropriate. Inappropriate. You, 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 you showed how the media is, is a powerful, powerful force. I took one course in college on journalism, and I learned so much. Anyways, and then I missed the green. I missed the sporting green. So I went back three months later. Isn't that sad? <laughs> well, the sporting green is one of the best sporting I love, sections and I miss, the, in the world. And I miss Leah Garchak and I missed, you know, Miss Manners. And so isn't uh, that embarrassing? I no. went back for the sporting green. But for good writing and during that time period, oh yeah. yeah, during that time period, I subscribed to the Washington Post. Oh. And I get that online and... Um, you know, I'm just about to cancel that subscription because, you know, just reading a bunch of stuff that is just so upsetting. It's so upsetting because the Constitution is being flouted. Um, the You know, the separation of powers is being thumbed at. It's just, and, and you know who's going to burn in hell is the Republicans. Because I, history will not treat them well. No, I don't think so. And I, I think that... He wants us to get exhausted. They want us to become exhausted so that we don't... It works. You get white people upset about something and they'll vote in your pocket no matter what. It was the Southern strategy and we're still... We still have repercussions from it. So I have two very smart children. I've actually reproduced twice. Ba-bam! Got your Social Security payments taken care of, Mr. Renati, my children. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I always say at my school shows, everybody go home, do your homework, get good jobs, and take care of us when we're older. The parents in the back going, yay! But um, So my daughter is going to be a teacher. In fact, she's graduating with a master's in a couple weeks. But my son studied poli-sci and very, very interested in um, current affairs. And then he got accepted at the Peace Corps, and then he went over, and he's in Africa. And so he, um, he has read something like 50 books since he arrived in October because, you know, he's living by himself in a hut. He reads all these books, but he read one book, which I'd read back in the day, and it was Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Pain Trail by Hunter S. Thompson in mm, 1972. Anyway, it's very, very good. And he said there's an epilogue now, and the epilogue, they talk about what what caused that massive, massive you know, defeat, that massive landslide. What was the root cause? And the only person that got it right was Mankiewicz from the, who was chairman of the Democratic Party. And he said, we had no idea that the Republicans would go that far. Which election are you talking about? In 72. They they introduced the Southern strategy in Nixon, but they introduced the Southern strategy in 68, Nixon versus Humphrey. And they made it white people, the white people's rights were being taken away and the Democrats were going to rise up and all the brown and black people were going to take over and that was that big shift in the southern strategy it was called the southern strategy and then they reinvested in it in 72 and the democrats were blindsided they never thought they would use such incredible uh, inflammatory language and such a clear clear racist tone and it was just 
totally on purpose. And actually nothing's changed. No, so no, it was the beginning thing. of the end. But yeah. he said Mankiewicz, everybody else was like, well, it was, um, that was when, um, I can't remember his name, E something, you know, he admitted that he'd had shock treatments and then Muskie cried. And it was like all these other people were giving these other excuses and Mankiewicz. And then the, the editor said, yeah, Mankiewicz got it right. That's was it, yeah. you know, in, high, in hindsight, that was it. Yeah. You know, that's sad. But to hear it from a 22-year-old, my son just saying, wow. And I was like, yeah, honey. Well, I remember at that time, I, we had a mock election at school, and uh, I voted for the second time Nixon ran. I voted for McGovern, mm -hmm. and I was so proud of myself. And I went home, and I told my parents, I voted for McGovern, because I, I saw Nixon as just not a possibility, at, you know, when I was in fifth grade or something. And my parents said, well, we voted for Nixon. Uh, and that was the first time I realized there was a big difference in the way we looked at the world. How fascinating. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. And you, wow. Because I was raised in a very political family and we were raised to hate Nixon. Yeah. So, well, they, but my did. father was actually a recovered Republican. He voted for Eisenhower being a war vet. Yeah. And then in 56, he changed over and they never voted Republican. So I was raised like that. And, but I was raised in Orange County. So we were always the odd people out. Always, always, always. And that's one reason I came to, up here to go to college. And then I never went back. Orange County is very conservative. Very conservative. I really, really, it's the, it's the heart of the Republican Party. It's yeah. really different. So I just knew I always wanted to be in the majority. It was completely my... My goal, I just said, I'm, I spent, you know, 17 years in the minority, and now I want to be, uh, I want to be surrounded by like-minded people. So, yeah. yeah, that's what's great about San Francisco. Yeah, um, but it also can be a problem because we live in this bubble, and then you go outside, and you're just like, really, you think that? I know. <laughs> I, know. I, know. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it's crazy. It's I like, go to it, my friend's. Um, house this last summer I didn't do it I did Sunday in the park all summer but uh, um, she lives in uh, Kalispell and Whitefish Montana up there and it's yeah. like so white it's just hilarious oh god but yeah actually terrible and uh, yeah. and they're always you can't I can't engage people in conversation because as soon as I say I'm from California they start just saying terrible things and then I have to get that snarky tone where I always say oh your opinion is so interesting but every major social event that has started in America started first in California so I'm sorry we win yeah, no. <laughs> and uh, then I have to turn and walk away very you quickly. Can't talk about anything. Yeah, they, yeah. Get, they get so uh, attack. They yeah. get into attack mode and yeah, but they don't. But they don't know history. Don't yeah, the history. And they don't want to know history. No, no. Even if you tell them history, they don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I, I don't even try. Yeah. I don't understand the psychology. I've been trying to figure it out, but I, I don't understand it. I think. It's well, I think if you root it back, it. it it, it, most people are very, very, very selfish. And, and when I think you when, selfish, and I think that a lot of people, I hate to well, say this, are prejudiced. Oh God, yes. Well, we're all prejudiced, but no, in, I mean, no, in, no, in no. The extreme. Oh no, absolutely. And 
Um, well, my big gripe is I don't mind people being all of those things. So you can be who you want, but this turning our back on science and facts, this is new. This is new. When I was young, the people who got into Harvard and (laughs) maybe not buying uh, Columbia, there was a respect for people who actually gathered facts in their head and analyzed them well and came up with good ideas and solutions. There was an admiration for people who were processing information on a higher level. And that's okay for me. I remember voting for Barack Obama and I was older than him and I realized this is a big moment in my life. I'm voting for someone younger than me, but I know for a fact he's 110 times smarter than me. So I'm happy with that vote. But this idea that we are saying no to science, saying no to facts, it was talked about. It's being talked about all over the world now. We are the only country that has it in our belief system that perhaps climate change is not real. Oh my God! Europe is like, what is wrong with you? Well, we left the whole consortium of co- countries that we're dealing with it. Remember yeah. So, Trump, but but, but, they, but they're First all like kind of. They just don't get it. They're like, but but we don't understand you. Yeah. It, it, that and you know who it was created by. The oil companies, they started it when the handwriting was on the wall and they they did a campaign that it was not caused by a people and it worked and it worked. Well, I, I even think, think back to the 70s. Remember, we had the big hole in the ozone. We solved it. And, got, yeah. And the, the whole world got together and we no, fixed well, let the me hole show you something. Let me show you this because this is my okay. little example of okay. that. Um, I'll be right back. Okay. 100 years, so I got this scarf as a present from Lawrence Hellman, and he bought it on eBay, and it's a wonderful scarf. I'll describe it. But anyways, it's a piece of very heavy, touch it. It's like almost like parachute silk, and it's a map on one side, which is true, a map of France on one side, and then on the other side is a map of Spain. Oh. And this was given to every pilot in the Air Force and the Army so that if they crash-landed in a foreign country, they would have a map that wouldn't fall apart when it got wet. Is that World War II? World War II. So this was created for World War II. It's in such a good shape. Yeah, well, someone had it in an attic and then oh. sold it. And then my girlfriend um, put a surging thing around it. Oh, I got lipstick on it. Anyways, oh, so, so, it so the reason I went mm-hmm. to do this, because you talked about the ozone yeah. layer, when you think about... Um, it, all the people that it took to make that one thing to make life possible that we could send people. It took map makers, it took a fabric dye, tool and dye, it took fabric people who Mm -hmm. had to figure out what would be the weight fabric, how much dye you needed. You know, just the amount of minds that it took. But if we all had one thing that we all just said, okay, we got to deal with climate change, yeah. like war, yeah. and we all turn all of our focus there. We could possibly make a big dip, but it's just scattered now. We're not doing anything. We don't. We don't do infra- infrastructure. We don't do. We don't deal with. with we don't. We don't like put desalinization. We it's like we're just we're scattered rather than. Not. I don't want to start a war, but it would. There was such laser focus. At that point in human history, in order to defeat this horrible force, but this force going on right now, the the, the thought of the the 
the planet being destroyed. That's even bigger than Hitler. But we can't seem to marshal humanity. Look what just happened in Brazil. This is terrifying that Bolsonaro, you know, why don't we talk about politics? I'm a cabaret singer. I don't know. We, no, okay. I'm a, so I was a history know. major, though, so that's yeah, a problem. I was, too. So that's oh, yay. Yeah, I was political science and history. Oh, yeah. Okay. I always say there's a good way to get. Oh, me too. I was oh. history. Oh. Yes, yeah. Just history for me. That was a lot of work, wasn't it? Oh, God, ridiculous. Did you write that big paper? Did they still have yeah. that thing? Oh, my and God. Every week, every class had an entire book you had to read. Yeah. And they write a paper on it every <laughs> damn week. I remember I was reading, like, trying to read four books and to write four papers. Yeah, no. Or whatever. It was, it was insane. Well, we had a weird family. Only three or four kids went to college, and they all graduated with the history degrees. <laughs> I guess we liked history. <laughs> I never thought about majoring in anything else. I never, A, number one, I didn't want to be anything involved with science or doctors or anything yeah. like that. And the math, you know, not my strong suit. I can add and multiply. I can barely divide and subtract. But I just never thought of anything else. I just went, oh, is there any other major? Yeah, it sounds the same way. I totally loved it. I still do. Yeah. But that's why I have a hard time staying away from the news now. But on the other hand, it upsets me so much because I never thought we'd get to the point that we're at. I never imagined it in my lifetime where you could argue that we're under some kind of pseudo dictatorship, which is just but they, but it's also so yeah, and it's also in many ways scary about the the fact because so one third of the population isn't ruffled at all. Yes, and um, if you know well, you just happy. said you're a history major, but yeah. you know the, the Nazi Party had thirty two percent, and the Bolsheviks took over yeah. Moscow with something like twenty eight people. I mean, it's like once you get the guns. Well, that's what I was just telling my friend the other day. As long as he doesn't get a couple of generals on his side, which would be amazing. I just don't think that could happen, though. I don't see our armed forces. Well, they're a little more level-headed. I had a tenant downstairs who moved in here right after we moved back in 2011. And um, we called him Captain America. Uh, He had a running pulse of about, you know, 40. And uh, we'd already known them for several months. And um, we were standing watching, sitting up on the roof watching the Blue Angels. And his wife said, did Pat tell you he was in the army? And we're like, wow, you were in the army too? He went to Princeton. He had a postgraduate degree from UT and from Harvard. (laughs) He was an army tank commander in Iraq. And so I was like, wow, you, yeah, I was in charge of a, a battalion. I'm like, Oh, okay, good. And then he did his first triathlon. No, Ironman, and he came in place. He, like, placed 11th. But this, he was so smart and so capable of an individual that when I met him, I got so happy about who's actually in charge of the armed forces. That's great. This guy is a very admirable. Yeah, I think most of them are like <coughs> Very admirable person. Iron. Oh, you did? In 83. Wow. wow. <coughs> They're going to start drafting girls, did you hear? That's being proposed. Girls have to sign. I didn't like signing myself. Oh, you mean they have to register for the draft? Oh, that's a new thing being proposed. I didn't like having my son register, but, you know, they really kind of guilt trip you. Yeah, I know. So... What about your show? We should talk about your show. You're okay, doing I'm doing a show. Songs. At least something At like least, that. Yeah. I'm doing a lot of sign time because I love sign time. Oh, good. Um, uh, do, um, what is this show about? It's always just about me, my life starring me. <laughs> uh, but um, 
You know, I also feel like it's it's very fun, and I, I I should actually do them more often because I really enjoy doing it. But I do them so infrequently that I don't get very good. No, <laughs> I get fine. I'm fine. But um, she's wrong. I've seen. She's yeah, always very good. Yeah, but the um, I also feel like as an actor, which I've now done professionally, professionally since like 1980, yeah. that the one thing that I had to learn in a was that many times in a work situation, you're really, really uh, just shut your mouth. Keep your mouth shut. You're yeah. not being paid for your opinion. You're being paid because they want you in a part. And the sooner you learn that that's your job, Yep. Your job is to do your part really well. And so for someone like myself who always, you know, uh, I had to learn that lesson and, you know, a lot of lessons and it's good. But on the other hand, every time I have done this particular show or any show like this, which enables me to play a whole bunch of different characters or experience a lot of different emotions in a very crammed amount of time, it's really everything I want to share with the world. It's what mm -hmm. I think will entertain you. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like about it. It's like I'm st I'm sticking my neck out and saying, I think this will entertain you because mm -hmm. it's my opinion. So mm -hmm. therefore, I have... <coughs> you can't imagine how many people it takes to get one person on stage. I've got Roberta Drake as a drummer, and I've got Johnny Vary on bass, and, my, of course, the amazing Dave Dabrowski. And, of course... Everybody gets an opinion, but at the end, it has to be You're my right. opinion. Right. And um, uh, so that, that we all, as a group, worked together and had a lot of fun. And um, but I have to organize that. I have to organize the rehearsals. I have to do the set list. I have to do the publicity. I have to, you know, all of these things that we don't have to do as an actor. Yeah. And so, therefore, you have to do it if you're going to do something like this. And then, when you get the chance to be an actor, you're grateful. You're grateful just yes. to be an actor yes. because, and that's what I really, really like doing. So I love sing long performer that I love to, um, do that. Um, what else what do? I'm doing a, well, some people hate to, the notion of singing with other people, but I'm very emboldened. I'm oh. doing a Burt Backrack medley because I love Burt Backrack. I love, um, I love that. Yeah. I got a great song. Um, but you know, it's just, uh, reflective of where I am right now. You know, it's my new life. I was married for 32 years and I was many times in my life preparing to be a divorcee and now I'm a widow, so that's kind of unusual. And then, you know, every time my show reflects where I am in my life. So when I first started doing it, I had one child and I was dealing with that whole thing about, you know, having this baby and yeah. that life. And then yeah. each time the child, the whole thing, the teenager, and it's just where I am in my life. So this is kind of, I'm now like playing the crones. I'm the crone. <laughs> So, so, so what's the focus? Is there like a... Oh, there's, there's a me. It's my life's trying to me. Yeah. And, and like, what are some... What are some the focus is always life? love. Love. Oh, nice. The focus is oh. always love. I'm always looking for the best love story, okay. love song. There's yeah. a song from uh, Hello, Dolly. There's a lot of song time. There's, um, Which song? There's an song? unusual song from uh, Everybody's Talking About Jamie. There's a song by Storm Large. There's a song by um, Fountains of Wayne. Uh, there's a song by my friend uh, Jim Hyden. I'm trying to think. There's a duet with Jack Davis. Um Jackson so, so I'm doing, singing with you? Yes, oh, bringing great. Jackson up for right. a little duet about oh, marriage because yeah. he's one of the few actors I know who has 
been in a relationship as long as I have. So we have very similar experiences. Oh, okay. We would always uh-huh. be bitching and moaning I've about been married it. for 25 years. Yeah. Last week. Congratulations. Thanks. Did yeah. you give something silver, I hope? I did. I haven't, we haven't exchanged gifts yet, but I have it there. Oh, good. Are you still speaking to each other? Because it's really important. Oh, yeah. I, okay. I get along, we get along better than ever. Oh, see, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's good, yeah. especially after raising children. Yeah. Because children can really throw a wrench into the situation, you yeah. know? Yeah. I always tell people, do not have a child unless you're ready to look at somebody who looks just like that person for the rest of your life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it definitely. People don't realize what they're getting into, I don't think. I certainly didn't. I just went to a baby shower today, but we're like, you know, don't worry, you can't prepare yourself. It's crazy. You no, <laughs> no, it's like, you just jump in. What the hell? Yeah, so I don't know. I have to look at my book to find out what I'm singing, but... No, no, that's great, yeah. Yeah, I... No, I, 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 I did a show... Couple of years ago, and I, I don't remember all the songs I sang either. Yeah, um, but then how did you? I'm curious. How did you pick them? What was your theme? Did you have love, a theme? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. What I was did. your theme? It was love. It was, was love mostly. Well, love. <laughs> and uh, it was a little about my brother who had just passed away, oh. and uh, my life kind of growing up in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. So it was like those three things. Well, I have to yeah. say, like when I think about love, especially when you're. Like, it was very uh, unusual to do this, because by the time I started really singing anything in cabaret, you know, uh, you know, people would give me torch songs. And I said, what do I know about a torch song? I've been with the same person for 4,000 years. You know, and I don't know. I, and that's not my life. You know, I just, I don't have that. But what I find fascinating about a love song, and this one, it only takes a moment, is in the show. But I talk about that. When you're in a long-running relationship, trying to remember that, that moment, that spark. Why did you pick that person? Because here it is four years later from my husband dying. I haven't had it. I haven't had it with anybody. And I've never really had it with anybody since I met him. So I think that is when I think about love. What was that? What is that amazing thing that happens? And and it, I used to talk about, um, I remember when he brought, especially our first child home, we were just like, we were so high. It was like, I want to go to Walgreens and get this. I want this to be in a, some sort of tincture. Yeah. I'm a new parent. It was just like so much joy. And there's also, it's kind of scary. It's sort of sick. But yeah. anytime you've had a really terrible accident or something where you, you were injured badly, but you didn't die. Yeah. It's like I had a bad bike accident 100 years ago when my daughter's about a year and a half. I, I ran a red light. It was my fault going down. It was all my fault. In fact, if, if the driver is listening, I'm so sorry. I, I They took me to the hospital. I didn't <laughs> get to apologize. But... <clears throat> I it, so you know once the actual initial and I got so lucky I mean, so many bad things could have happened and all I got was a a broken index finger but um, my husband would make fun of me because I would just like sit up in bed and go I'm alive I'm just like I'm alive I'm oh my god I'm alive and he goes yeah yeah go back to bed I go oh. and I was I still work at the soup kitchen and. One of my coworkers talked about that. I do volunteer at Martin's on Monday morning. Oh. I show up and I have the anybody. I do encourage you to get a volunteer job um, for no apparent reason, but 
once you do, and if you have a wonderful crew, that's who you're. You're going to your volunteer job because you you want to be around those people and check in with them, your crew people, because yeah. you will never meet them otherwise right. at a volunteer. You will never meet anybody no. at a. These are usually all, all from random. Walks They're from of life, oh yeah, we have yeah. random walks of life. Yeah. So, um, but this is sort of funny. So, 1987, I uh, lived here lived right around the corner, and I had just done three minutes, three months on a movie, and I had made a poop load of money, and I'd had this blah, blah, blah life, and I moved back, and I didn't have any jobs, because, of course, everything had been booked, and, yeah. and I tried to feel sorry for myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I said, oh, maybe I should volunteer. So I, yeah. I walked into this um, soup kitchen on Patrero. It's called Martin's, named after Martin DeBoer's, and it's just basically, it's the Catholic worker movement where just food is prepared. There's no proselytize, it's just food. Yeah. It's a concept. Right, yeah. and and I had never done a volunteer job like that, and I was like, wow. So I started. So I did that until we moved away in '94, and it was like my tribe, right? Then we moved back in 2011 to the house we're in now. Mm-hmm. We lived here before. Listen, we're there's nobody who lives with Faith by dog. You've been in this house twice. <laughs> yes, isn't oh, okay. that? I don't know if anybody ever. Does. So we moved. We lived here from '89 to '94, okay. and then we moved away from '94 to 2011, and then we moved back in. And about a week after I moved in, I was standing in this house, and I realized. I always liked this house. I'd lived in, we had seven homes together as a couple. We moved various times, you know, rent. And so to be back in the house that we'd lived in, it was very cool. It was like, wow. Oh, yeah. Were you always in San Francisco? No. No, no. So we moved away. But anyway, so we moved back in June of 2011. And then Lent came around in 2012. And um, I announced to my family with... I'm going to start volunteering again at Martin's for Lent, you know, just in case, you know, FYI. And they were like, okay, <laughs> nobody cared. <laughs> so I got up yeah, on Monday on. mornings and got up at six and went out. Once we came back at eight, they were like sitting there. Yeah. And I was like, I, no impact. Nobody cared. Nobody gave me a medal. And then at the end of Lent, I realized, wow. I like those people. Yeah. I need to keep that job going. Yeah. So I've been doing it since then. But wow. um, they're very no twenty. With, but my peeps and and yeah. I, I don't know why I started talking about That's them. Okay. But Martin's, yeah. But this is a great house. I mean, you got a I know. View. I got lucky. I know we wouldn't be able to buy them. Beautiful. <laughs> I know. I actually. Remember well, when we went on the roof? Oh yeah, yeah. Missing our still, lives oh, to take no, a photograph. Oh, can I tell you a funny story yeah. about that? Well, I hope they listen to your podcast. <laughs> okay, so um, so it, Ray is talking about. So I live at, in a, a two flat house, and uh, I have the top flat. And you crawl out the. Um, it's not as scary as you think. And you crawl out no. this window, and there's a handle, and you you go up, and then it's kind of like climbing up on a rock. But this one <laughs> section is flat. The flat, and you have a more than a um, like a two hundred degree view of the city. It's yeah. a spectacular view, right? Yeah. Anywho, so <laughs> it's usually really windy. Yeah, windy is scary. And Annie Pie, I was in high heels. I don't know if you know. I do remember. Yeah. That. Anyways, yes. I was getting. Anyway, no. Yeah. Well, I've actually, I, I have a tough time because I've had oh. to say to people, young people, usually. Oh. Oh, do you have any fear of heights? No. No. You don't have any? Well, yeah, any? sort of. Yeah, well, no, I yeah, the, no, I'm, no, I'm talking about when I'm oh, asking oh, them. Right, and right. they'll often like act like, uh, no. And I'm like, really? And they're like, 
No, and I'm saying, well, then let's not do it. Why ever put yourself in a position where you're not comfortable? Yeah. I have no fear of heights, and I have I climb very easily, but I don't ever want anybody to be afraid. No, no, not, not there. <coughs> anyway, so fast forward. Mm-hmm. This is very gossipy, but I have to tell it because I was so shocked. <laughs> so with my new next door neighbors moved in, they bought the house for $3.1 million. Wow. And then they moved out for a year and put another million into it. And I lived through their remodel. I never even got a bouquet of flowers. Anyway, oh. so they started immediately complaining about my dog barking, this little dog, until they figured out after several vicious emails that there's actually three dogs that bark exactly like my dog, and one lives back there, and oh. one lives there. And to the point that I have run out on my deck to scream at my dog, come on, stop and then I'll look down. Oh, oh, you're here. I mean, it's the same yeah. pitch, right? right this right. tandem. So anyway, and it so carries when the wind's blowing. Yeah, so so yeah, yeah, it's just coming from somewhere. Yeah. So vicious emails, vicious emails about my dog barking. About all, so, but I just chose to ignore them and said, you know, I'm doing the best I can. You know, like ugh, never emails about like what kind of dog owner I was, what kind of neighbor I was. Oh, really, really mean, mean, mean things. And the funniest thing is that when I was working at Theater Works, and yes. In America, you can legally have a 56-hour work week. And so the woman who said, I worked 50 hours last week. And I was like, bitch, beat you. I oh, worked 54. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is three work, three yeah, 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 right. Yeah, it was during, no, it was during tech week. So anyways, oh, fast yeah, forward. So my big splurge, and I encourage everyone to do it if you have the money, because you do get money back and we have to do stuff. I splurged and got solar. Last year, at this time, uh, I did my due diligence. I did solar, oh. and I because I I felt like I uh, instead of taking a gigantic trip around the world, you know, basically if you broke it down, it was like twelve thousand dollars, a lot of money. But I felt like I needed to do it, mm-hmm. you know, get away from being such a princess. And we all need to do something. I understand why it even costs money. Anyway, so. That was my first major thing that I chose to do since my husband died. So I did all my, interviewed several companies, did all that, read as much as I could, talked to people, and I ended up going with a company that was local, and I spent more money, but I felt better about it. But anyway, fast forward. They show up on Monday to do it. On Wednesday, open up my email. And it's a letter from my neighbors asking me if I would please take down the solar panels. Could you please remove them? Because they detract and distract from our roof deck's view. (laughs) (laughs) The view from the fake room on the top of their house. The fake room. It's a fake room. It's not a room. It's a roof deck. Oh, my God. Isn't that terrible? So you know how I handled it? I never responded. I yeah, waited right. until the city signed off because it's actually, you can never complain about the aesthetic view of a solar panel. There's a law that was passed oh, in 1978. And then, um, but I shamed them by telling that story. I shamed them. And you know what happened? I hope you hear. But you know, the good thing about it is I'll I'm going to say this because I do have hope in my heart. <clears throat> All the mean emails were from the husband, from the wife. All the mean emails are from the wife. And so what I think happened based on how I'm sussing out the situation is that he sat her down and said, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, you can't, you got to stop picking fights with neighbors. Got to stop picking fights with neighbors. We bought a house. We bought a house. We live next door. We can't pick fights with people. But it is the first time in my life I ever had a disagreement. 
Yeah. With a neighbor like that. Very mm-hmm. upsetting. But to, to, but the irony is, the, and the, really the most hypocritical thing about the whole thing is, the man drives a Tesla. Why would you drive a Tesla and then be opposed to solar panels? That shows that you're being a hypocrite. That's yeah. what, you just get the Tesla to show off. Yeah. Oh, bingo. Yeah, yes. that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. Yeah, well, they're still um, up there, and it's pretty exciting when you get a, a bill for like zero, zero in you, March. You can even sell it back, right? You do sell it back. So you do sell it back. So the summer it's zero, and um, you and then can you charge get your car if you had an electric car. Well, that's what I did. I'm getting an electric car because I said put the big power thing in the garage. Yeah. So I got all set up. My uh, yeah, that's you the get next. So much sun up there. Yeah, that's it's the crazy. next thing I have to do. Is I have to because um, the weather's good here too. Yes, yeah. I have to go purchase a car would, would anybody listening to what this kind of one car? help me park buy a car i have so little interest in cars my husband well electric loves, cars no i want i'm gonna get an electric car and my theory is i think i'm gonna buy something that's semi-used and try to get something not too expensive and just get to like 23 i think the market's really gonna open up when more products will come on the market well there's a new nissan leaf coming out yeah it's gonna go on like 300 miles okay so and that's it was gonna come out earlier but then the ceo of nissan got in trouble oh yeah, yeah it, so, so that's when i so that's coming yeah that's what i'm waiting for and i'll I, get that one this, I, tr- I test drove the chevy volt you'd probably be fine in it but i'm too big for this yeah, seat yeah. and it was very i was looking at the volt and then they no, stopped but yeah but the volt they yeah. they don't sell anymore they're, no, no, they're not no, going to make anymore but everybody i know who has one loved one i was thinking of yeah. buying a used one just to drive for like seven years or five years yeah i like to drive Buy a car and just drive it right into the but ground. That, that's a mix. That's an electric and that's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, it also need, has a regular engine. I in need it. that for because I. Oh, it's so funny. People say you don't want to run out of electricity. You no, know, but people said just drive to work and plug it in. I was like. At a street? <laughs> At a parking lot? I said, I'm an actor. Do you realize where I drive to? Yeah, it's I like, hey, uh, could you guys arrange for me to have a vlog? And they go, like, oh. yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get right on that, Miss McFerry. Yeah, so I said, no, that's kind of not an option. So I'm trying to go through all that, but I had a good life from... Um, the comedian Lisa, Lisa Goduldig, she called up my friend and she says, hey, um, I need to go buy a car. Uh, could I borrow your penis? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there, my girlfriend actually got taken to the cleaners for a car place and she woke up the next day and realized that she'd been shanghaied by a very good salesman and oh. returned because you know you don't know anything it's happened to me twice yeah yeah you don't know anything yeah. especially women you don't know anything yeah. and rick always loved cars he would actually drive down the freeway and go what do you think of that car and i go like which the blue one i don't really care so, you know i think it's just got to go forward stop yeah. have hopefully air conditioning and a cd player and i'm happy you know i don't really care i so that's my next thing that i have to well, do Hyundai is coming out with electric cars see too. that's what i want i want because if you go with the tesla it's so expensive no, no, no. And I also feel like, with all due respect to this genius, Mr. T, Elon Musk, Mr. M, who owns a house, if you want to check it out, on 20th and uh, Wisconsin. Does he live over there? Uh, it's a house for his friends to visit. Oh, okay. It costs $9.3 million. Uh, it sits there empty. It's a spectacular I house. I always had my eye on it. And I was like, who, who paid 9.3? <laughs> and then, but when I saw the address, I was like, mm, 
it's pretty 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 yeah. perfect but it's just when he has friends visit yeah. it's like a pied a terre no yeah, yeah I've got yeah. a couple of those but I, I think he's a little bit like this so to, the idea of investing I, I he he's like an unstable genius you yeah, want I like is. stable geniuses yeah he's an unstable genius <clears throat> like Barack he did bring... not invent the Tesla though my wife's company invented the Tesla she worked at Palo Alto Design Group and there's a guy named Martin Everhart who I know who worked with the people at her company and built the first Tesla, and he's an inventor, and he sold the rights to say, so, so, um, what's his name? Elon. Elon is allowed to say that he invented <laughs> the Tesla, because he bought the rights to say he invented it. How much did he spend from for Mark that? From Mark Neverhart. Oh my God, I would never, I would say, how much did that, that was like, I hope he sold them for like $80 million. I, I don't know, Martin made a lot of money. Okay, good. Yeah. So Elon's I guess, allowed to say that now, but he had nothing to do with the first one. Wow, he, yeah. well, I hope he got compensated. Well, there's somebody without a ridiculous ego. If he can listen to somebody else say you said made something, yeah, knowing yeah. the truth, I'd be like, and I would be, I'd be, a, I'd be behind him like this, going, no. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be photobombing. Oh, it's when you talk about photobombing. So, um, we are. Um, you know, like, I don't know if it was on, but we're my family, big political junkies, I'm, the whole family, and uh, and especially my son. And um, <laughs> so we are on a flight back from, uh, we, we took a vacation. We went to Mexico and we're on the last leg of the flight yeah. and from uh, Los Angeles, LAX to Oakland on a Tuesday night. And we're like the last flight out. And uh, there was like... Uh, there were 47 people on the plane. I love Southwest. When I'm in the mood, I, I don't mind jokes. I don't like jokes sometimes. But Southwest, as the guy said, so everybody's lurking around the waiting area. It's, it's late at night. And, and he says, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to begin boarding flight 2544 to Oakland. And could everybody just get on the plane? There's only 27 of you. Really? <laughs> I love Southwest. <laughs> yeah, like, Some it was so, so funny. They're so great. So this guy was great. He says, just get on the plane, okay? <laughs> so everybody gets on the plane, and my children had never been on an empty plane. So the, Jack starts taking off for the back. I'm like, no, Jack, it's all about getting off the plane. So, <laughs> so I said, no, no, no. Went front three rows. So the whole plane is, like, stacked. It's like, yeah. and then there's some people that went back. So anyways, we're in our three rows, and <clears throat> I'm getting to this right. Anyway. Play, it was the scariest flight of my life, and I kept thinking, God, we got all the way back to Mexico, and we're going to die over the pier. Just like the kind of flight that, like in airplane, we look out the window, and there's like lightning. Yeah. And, like, and the whole time, we were all laying in our seats, and I just kept sitting there thinking, oh, I hope the kids aren't looking out the window. God, I hope they're not looking. They're not going to. This they're, is when they're little? I know. Just a couple oh. years ago, I said, oh. they'll never get on another plane. I mean, it was like, even me, I was like, ha! Ah! <laughs> and then, I've been oh yes, you. Oh, yeah, you don't you, think you're gonna live? No, you just. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. <laughs> it feels like it's not moving forward. No, you're yeah, just yeah, like yeah. In a boat oh no, but this was like, 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 oh god, it's just oh, like, wait, is this thing? And then we got, and then we dropped down, and we, it was like a perfect flight. So everybody in the plane was like. Wait, did wait, did we just go through? It was like very surreal, right? So the kids the kids wake up and they're like, hey, great. I'm like, anyway, so fast forward. 
I'm getting out of my thing and I'm trying to get this, my luggage out and the guy in front of me who I had just thought, wow, I really like his hairdo. I'll have to tell Jack. And I'm getting my luggage down and he looks up and he, th- he thinks that I'm trying to cut into the aisle first in front of him because I was, and I was like, no, 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 you go. And I realized it's Gavin Newsom. Oh. And I mean, we're like, we're a On foot a away. Foot a, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, our lieutenant governor was on a commercial Southwest flight by himself with no aides, zero other humanity with him with a briefcase. And they have no first class. No, and he was just there. And so I think there, uh, that is somebody, that that's is not guy. Scott, that's not Scott Pruitt. Thank you very much. Yeah. Anyway, so fast forward. I, I notice, I notice it's, it's Gavin Newsom and he, takes off and the guy's like six three he's huge and he starts walking he's carrying a little briefcase and i turned to my son i said it's gavin newsom get him so jack takes off and jack ran cross country in high school so he just takes off and he's chasing gavin newsom down in and the oakland airport where you try to walk out it's just flat yeah and so i start yeah and i start running after Jack yeah. to catch up and then I suddenly realized oh my daughter is behind us oh, yeah. and I should probably tell her why because she didn't hear me say it's Gavin Newsom what do you want to do just talk to us? Yeah, just oh, okay. stalk him. Stalk him. We just, I'm a star fucker. I can't help myself. There's so many famous, I just, my number one thing is I always like to go stand next to him to find out how tall they are. But and I stood next to John Kennedy Jr. He was very tall in a bar one time. Oh. Anyways, um, so I so suddenly I'm running after Jack and I turn and he said, Oh shit, I forgot about Flattery. And Flattery comes out and she looks like, Hey, where the hell are those churches? And the whole look on her face was like, and my boyfriend's picking us up and they ditch me. And I was like, Flattery, it's Gavin Newsom. She goes, What? We all of us Yes, we caught up with him. Yeah. And I saw and Jack. I saw so Jack said, Can I take a selfie with you? And so I could see Jack bring us camera up and I came up behind them and I went like this. Ah! So oh, your photo bombs? <laughs> you have a new son your son. <laughs> well, you got him. I photobombed him. Uh, it was so funny. It was just so funny. I said, screw him. I saw you first. He just, he was the fastest runner. But he was very friendly and of course, we. it was right after the election so we were very upset and yeah. talking about oh yeah and he'd just been and he was very very kind we were trying to get him to do it. Jack's um, graduation mm-hmm. uh, that didn't happen it was somebody very boring with all due respect but um, yeah. anyway so it was very exciting that's the only true like you know politician I've seen in a long time and I just acted like it was the Beatles <laughs> <laughs> I get so crazy. Oh, I know. I know. I, I've seen celebrities like that. Usually they're nice, but I shouldn't say who it was. One time I, I did that with a celebrity, and he was not nice. I won't say who it is because he's actually from San Francisco. Well, there you have it. And, you know, I, yeah. I, I have been around certain people who have um, been uh, not nice, and I always find it interesting that uh, after a few years, um, their careers generally sort of dissipate, because that's how it works in this business. It's always been fascinating for I me know. to observe. And um, and then another time I was with a gal for a long time was when I did a, a long movie, and afterwards I really started to question that opinion of her, because I thought, you know, she was tired. You know, yeah, she had a new know. baby. She probably didn't want to work, you know, blah, blah, blah. Who am I to say that that was who she was at that period in her life? You never know. You right? never you know. know. And you just, you, you could be crabby. And, and yeah. you know, and I, I, um, 
so you always have to be careful. But, you yeah. know, listening to people. I, I remember one time when um, a, <clears throat> his political career didn't really take off, but he was running for supervisor, and, and I knew this man. And and, um, and he ran, on to, ran in, on, into me on the street. I mean, no joke, like six days after Rick died, which was a huge surprise. It was very unexpected. And and he asked how I was doing, and I said, wow, uh <laughs> My, my husband just died unexpectedly, and he looked me right in the eyes, and he said, yes, I know, it's going to be a close vote. And I thought, oh, you didn't really listen to oh me. Oh, So that, to me, said volumes, because I think that's really your only job when you're a servant, yeah. is to just listen. And, hey, I'm the worst listener on earth. Are you kidding? But, you know, it, that is their job. And but you're not, you're not in politics. You're yeah. Not a, you're not a public servant. Yeah. Yeah. Who did I? Oh, so many years ago. Do you remember the first touring company of a chorus line? I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I came yeah. to San Francisco, and I went to go see it. God, this was like 30-something, almost 40 years ago, probably. 30-something years ago. It wasn't ago. at the Golden Gate, because I think I saw the second touring no, company. No, it was a smaller place. Whoa. And I can't remember wow. exactly where it was. But I, I was walking up the street with my date, <laughs> and uh, this Ferrari came up. And do you remember the, 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 the police or the fire department used to have these blue spots where no one was allowed to park? Oh, yeah. They're not around anymore. Mm -hmm. He parked right in it, a red Ferrari, and out comes Willie Brown. And he just left his car there in like a place where you automatically get towed. Right? Yeah. And he was young at the time. Yeah. He was all leather. Yeah, yeah. And he just walked, just left his car there and went walking down the street. I'm like, I, I totally lost respect for him at that moment. It's like... You know, you, you're allowed to park in you that should spot, be the, and no one would ever tow your car because you're Willie Brown. You should be the best version of a person rather than... Yeah, not do that flaunt it, but that's, yeah. he wasn't mayor at the time. He was, you know, he was well, an assemblyman. Uh, no, speaker, speaker of the assembly. Of, of More the powerful. Very Congress. powerful. Yeah. Well, I, I have a good Willie Brown story, but you better edit it, edit it out. It's so when I was a cocktail waitress, and I oh, made $250 yeah. when he was having drinks with the guy. And that guy gave me, every time I came over to talk to them, he gave me a $100 bill to stay away. And I knew who he was. I, as soon as Willie Brown walked in and sat down, it was a very quiet fern bar that I worked at. And I went over, and he says, I'm going to have a friend visit, friend here. And I said, yeah. great. He goes, if you seem, he says, and I said, okay. So I didn't have to show him. But I went over, and I took. Mr. Brown's drink order, and I, you, and then, and then and I come back. The guy had already given me a 50 spot to bring one drink to him. And then I put down the two drinks, and he hands me a hundred. And then, like, the look is like, get out of here. I don't want you listening. Don't hover. Oh, I so see. then I went back to the thing. I never circled back. After a a certain amount of time, I saw the drinks were almost done. I sort of circled back, gave the high sign. High sign went back, boom, another hundred spot. And then Willie got up and left. Well, back then, everyone knew he was making shady deals. Right? It was, he was someone needed an attorney or an yeah. advice. And, and I just thought, I came back to the bartender, and I was like the only person in the room that knew anything. And I just said, well, I think I just saw some leadership go down. But I just got, I don't care. I just made like my rent for the month. You want me to cut you know? that out? Yeah, well, it was. I, I, I've heard way worse things I mean, he was rough. The guy who he was talking to was rough. That's yeah. why I thought, what are you doing on this? Well, Brown was a wheeler dealer, man. He, he, 
Hey, if he were white, he would have been prison. He got rich being the teacher of the house for the California... Do you know who the the most amazing politician was? Tip O'Neill. When he he retired, his entire estate was $170,000. He never made any money. Never did. Never listened to one tip. I love that guy. He had the best line. He said during the 80s, he said... All you baby, all you people, uh, World War II vets, it's like you put down the ladder and now you're picking it up. Yeah. No one else gets to come in. And that was written, you know, that so many things were cut during Reagan that were ways that the society changed. You know, cheaper good schools, you know, uh, good health care, good... good early education. Early education is a big problem. This is when he was president. When, or, or when was Reagan governor. was president. Yeah, no, when, well, president, we, yeah. when he was governor. Well, we kind of did a, a, a similar thing in California before oh he gave president. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm much older than you, and I'm, yeah. I'm Prop 13. I never was affected by it. It was a spectacular. Well, I remember Prop 13. Oh, God, it was terrible I mean, was what happened. Kid, but, uh, God, in my high school, there were... Um, there was there was money, but the money was being well spent. So, in other words, if you were a kind of young man and you were not on that college track, they had a full-on auto repair body section of the school where boys were building cars. Yeah. You know, they were learning. And then another entire section that was in a wood shop, and they were actually acquiring yeah. skills. Not everybody is, uh, you know, meant to use cerebral work. You know, many people are, A, are not turned on by it, or they are very, very, That's they have a, a lot, or they have really good um, hand-eye coordination, or what's it called, fine motor skills. You know, God, thank God I didn't have to be a dentist. I would have been the worst dentist on earth or a car mechanic. But, you know, everybody is different, and our country is really, in this effort to get everybody to go to college, we've really forgotten a lot of uh, essential parts of developing as a human. What's, you know, if you can't nail something together or... Well, in California, the only the only schools that still have those types of programs are the ones where the parents pay through it. Well, through, like, ridiculous. We paid, we paid for PE. Yeah. We paid the PE teacher, and You're then kidding. when my no no I, I lived oh. in the peninsula. Oh, yeah, we I paid know, the yeah. PE teacher, oh, and I then the second that. thing oh. was um, we found out that it was nineties, and when they reduced the class size, and then they passed a law that if children were suffering with reading issues, they had to be removed from the classroom and given special attention yeah. so that they didn't start falling behind. And that was the law that was passed, but it was never funded. Right. It was never funded. There was no money given to pay the reading resource position. So the parents, but it was a law. You can't pass a law and then not fund it. They do it all the time. Oh, yeah, anyways, it was very hard. So that's, you have the, and then there was the situation where they were saying, well, we're going to raise this money, but then we're going to divide it evenly across the schools. And I'm sorry, all politics are local. If we have a school fair... Why should we send our money across town to other school? I mean, right. that's kind of easy. You get that crazy school, they raise all the money, and everybody spends it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I know. I have an issue because they're always trying to get my middle school shows. My middle school shows return enormous profits, lots of money, and I always say, why don't we try not to return profits? Why don't we just try to bring the price of the ticket down, and um, you know, see it as just a culture enrichment. Yeah. For the community and for the what student. What do they do with the money? 
Oh, okay. uh, uh, but, uh, well, no, we fold it back into the parent club. The oh. whole school benefits. Yeah, okay. It goes to everybody. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. yeah. That, that funds so many different things. And I, you know what? I, during the during the Prop 13 vote, I was in junior high school. Oh, my goodness. In the middle of it. But we had we had wood shop, metal shop. I loved it. The boy chef. Yeah, yeah, we had cooking. Yeah. We had foods. Yeah, we did that. So and fortunately, I still had that. Oh, good. And then, it took uh, them a while to figure out what to do. I think I think the vote had just happened and mm-hmm. didn't cancel everything right away. I know, it, it took, took several years. years. Yeah. yeah. So you lucked out. Yeah, right? I lucked out. Yeah. yeah, it got worse and worse and worse. It's yeah. just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You I know. know, it's terrible. And then so I, I actually substituted at my daughter's high school and somebody to the high school donated a $35,000 table saw. It was a kind of table saw that you would have in a factory. Oh, those are great. And there yeah. was not one student on campus that had the skills for that high. They were still trying to make boxes. But when I was younger, you made the box in seventh grade. Exactly. And then if you were good, you made a better box in eighth grade. And then by ninth grade, you were making other stuff. By tenth grade, you were like doing stuff. So therefore, that's that's that would have worked. But here, these boys in tenth and eleventh grade are trying to make a box. And what's the good of having this top flight? equipment there if somebody's got to cut their finger off or something. God, I have a friend who cut three of his fingers off with one of those, and he picked them up. Oh, this is gross. He no, picked no. them up, and he, he put them in a bag with ice, and he went to the hospital, and they sewed them back on. Well, my friend had... Well, one of them didn't take, <clears throat> but the other ones... <laughs> Really? Which well, yeah. one? The middle one? I hope. Yeah, not. I think it was. The oh God! One. Yeah, you can't flip anybody off. My <laughs> friend, actually, he's an amazing contractor, Steve Zemay, but he never goes. He has a ten-mile radius now. He lives in Redwood City. He doesn't want to work beyond ten miles. Extraordinary. Anyways, he had just watched a History Channel episode on amputations, <laughs> and he, which the new theory is, that you put, you get a. a a cup of ice, yeah. and you put the digit inside the cup of ice just to not get it too cold. Yeah. And yet, so he cut off his thumb. Ouch. With, and he builds houses for a living. Yeah. So he cut off his thumb, his less dominant thumb. So the thumb is just spurting blood. And his his assistant, Raphael, was the kind of person that can't take blood. So Raphael's like throwing up. <laughs> he's just like, and he's like, and he's like, get it, get the thumb, get it. He's like said it was so ironic. He's like he's clamping down this spurting thing, and he's like a general shouting. And he kept thinking to himself, "How bizarre that I just watched that TV show! I can't believe I know what to do." Yeah, and he said they got to Stanford, and it works. His thumb. Oh my God. Anyway, so it's just amazing. So people, you find the digit and you put it in the ice and then you don't go to a hospital and, we bought it. and but fuck nowhere you go to Stanford. <laughs> oh, I couldn't watch that show. It was on Netflix. I tried to watch it. Oh, I, I did. I, got I wanted to watch it because I was kind of curious, but oh then I just got so upset by the sort of ridiculousness, the, the unfairness toward women in general. I mean, it brought back all sort of Anita Hill stuff, and uh, it just brought back a lot of stuff. So I said, I can't watch this anymore. Yeah, I know. Like, Christine Blasey Ford is one of my neighbors. <gasps> I was wondering. Yeah. yeah? Okay, yeah. did you see my thing on yeah, the door? That's what it's that's, great, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, the door is great, yeah. Yeah, so, oh, I got God. so mad when people... We're saying that she's lying. It made me so mad. I think the whole thing was handled terribly. 
terribly. The entire thing start to finish was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. And now, because of that uproar, we now have two crazy new people on the Supreme Court yeah. who should not be there. This is that people don't understand why you vote. I had to say to so many young people, you have to remember to vote. You don't understand. It works. It works. We got a Bush out. We got. Um, you know, we got Bush out. We got Clinton in. We got B Bush two out. We got Obama in. It works. It's turnout for the Democrats. It's turnout. People it's, got to come out oh. and vote. They can't be apathetic. No, yeah. no. But apathy. Yeah, yeah. People um, like the the crazy ass people always vote first. So I love this picture on your card. Oh, this is done by a guy named Paul. Cross-eyed and do do one eye more than the other. Do you know who did that picture, no. which was very nice? His name is Paul Kites, uh -huh. and the reason he was very nice to do my picture, Paul has taken amazing headshots yeah. of all my school shows, my one. middle school mm -hmm. shows. These children, I love their bios. They're, you know, they're uh, ten years old, and their their bios are longer than mine. But um, so for that's for the lobby, and so then he had just taken the. The, the school shows and I was like Paul I need a picture in like 10 minutes can you yeah, yeah, no, these are great. and he's an ex-chemist oh. who worked at Genentech oh. and he just was not happy and he said to his wife I'm, I'm just not happy I need to do something else and so she said do it go for it and, oh. he, and he is he's very happy and he does uh, photographs and he's and he's a very very nice guy and yeah. his son wasn't even in the show Oh. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I'm sorry so about that, nice. but but yeah, but so yeah. generous. I mean, people like that, I always admire. I mean, people are so we can't help ourselves. We're, we're selfish, you know. If our child's involved in something, we're going to help out. But if right. you know some other kid, you know. Like, but he still helped out. Anyway. Oh, absolutely. Every year, every year. I, uh, anyways, so, very nice. Do you want to see Marine uh, do this incredible? I mean, this is one of the best cross-eyed pictures I've ever seen. I mean, it's like one eye is almost straight, and the other. How do you do that? You no, cross one eye at a time. Oh, I don't know. Probably had some. Probably thought about who's in the White House right now. That's probably. A, maybe That's had a, a skill. Boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, what are you? What are you going to do? Yes. So it's um, the show. Is it seven o'clock? It's an early. Seven o'clock, not eight o'clock. Seven o'clock, because they do another show afterwards. Of course, they clear the place and they well, have it's a like an hour and a half or something. <clears throat> May, yeah, somewhere yeah. in that ballpark. Saturday, May eighteenth, yeah, two thousand nineteen, seven p.m. One night only, folks. One, one night, night only. only. One night only. At the Oasis, yes, two ninety eight Eleventh Street, yeah, at Folsom Street, Fun. San Francisco. Go to uh, the Oasis website, sfoasis. Don't be scared off by the other pictures on the calendar. It's kind of wild. It's a yeah. It's, the, the website's kind of wild. I know. The the club. Yeah. The club was created by two drag queens to give drag theater a place, a forum. But, you know, it's it's a nightclub, so anybody can perform. Yes. So, uh, But I do sincerely recommend, I'm almost positive they're bringing back Sex in the City this summer, a new two new episodes. And I, I really, really encourage people to see it. I never even saw Sex in the City, and I laughed so the hard. We, yeah. yeah, well, I think I saw half an episode. Yeah. But we know so much about it because it's so much a part of that yeah. that you sort of... Mr. What's-his-name-Big? Big, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so very, very funny performers, very wonderful. <laughs> and it's, not, you know, the wonderful thing is my um, daughter um, is now engaged and her... Her, uh, her her future husband, um, I don't think he ever went to a play before he met my daughter. So. <laughs> now he's going to play all the time. All the time. All 
holiday. <laughs> let's have a sing song. Let's all sing. Let's sing happy. Anyway, so he was the one, and I say this because he's a young, straight, under 30-year-old guy, and he was the one that turned to Flannery, and that's my daughter, and said, hey, let's let's make sure to see Buffy and the Vampire Slayer. I bet that's good. I gotta go see these things. Buffy the and the Vampire Slayer, I never saw that show, that's and cool. I've seen two of those spoofs, and one time I started laughing so hard I couldn't stop laughing. Very, very clever stuff, so I really, really support and, this place. And we gotta go see your show. Oh yeah, my show. Very, Saturday, McVary. May 18th, 7pm. Is, is there a link on your website? Oh yes, yes. Maureen McMucho. McMucho. Maureen we had some discussions about that name and you kept it. I like it. Yes. Maureen? The name yes. Maureen. Mick, like McDonald's. Mucho, as in McVary. Mucho in Spanish. Well, that's because it's McVary. You know, that's, that's my yeah, Spanish. My Spanish in... My Spanish. Name oh, is Spanish. Mucho. Is McMucho. There you go. Mucho McMucho. Yeah. yeah, that's what I call. Yeah, yeah. That's what I call my show, and when I travel around Latin America, I like that. I yeah. don't know. Oh, you go Latin? Yeah, just. <laughs> well, actually, because my late husband, bless his heart, put some sort of lock on www.maureenmcvary.com, and I can't get it. <laughs> I know. Really, yes. Ray does amazing websites. Yeah, very, very good. So, yeah. So we did the old college try, and I I eventually fixed computers, sort of. Oh yeah. Well, we found all the Rick's. um, We did. Well, my son. son My son did. Oh my God. He he bought. No, he found. He bought a a Microsoft. Uh, He went to a Microsoft product, and then he found this disc somewhere oh. and he put it in it was all our family oh, photos oh my god oh my god there, oh no it was so you backed him up on something you backed him up on oh, something and, yeah but it, it was pretty funny so we yeah. sat there one uh, before jack left for africa yeah. and we just sat there in the three of us and nobody likes family photos more than people in the family but, you know, else you know, but then here's my future son-in-law you know sitting behind us and we're just like the three of us going oh no and all of a sudden I turned to Tucker and I said, oh, Tucker, are you just like bored like crazy? And he said, no, he said, he goes, well, actually, it's kind of funny because I know all these people. Yeah. It's oh, heard about them. No, he knows them. It's oh, like I family see. parties and stuff. So yeah. he said it was, you know, our cousins and, and yeah. old family friends. So he said it was hilarious to see pictures of people he knows right. when they were kids. Yeah. So he wasn't as bored as I thought. And I thought, well, that that's kind of a different thing because, you know, that's a situation where he had an invested interest in this group of family photos going by but yeah, we, we totally forgot he was there for like 40 minutes we're like ah, wow. <laughs> we're so excited well so there will be pictures of him and then he'll be, he'll be yes he's already in the did place. you see the show at theater works Hershey Felder do you know who Hershey oh Felder's? no I hear it's wonderful oh my god oh I have to go see you it you have to go see it do you know my he friends is his publicist Karen Racanelli yeah. oh He's fantastic. Oh, no, she, she says he's wonderful. Yeah, he is just... So who's he doing now? It's, what is Debussy. this one? Oh. And, and it's a very personal story that's true, which is cool. Ooh. So he, he's a storyteller, mm-hmm. and he's a virtuoso pianist, which is... I mean, he is so good. Mm, like, I know. Like, tears coming down your eyes good, you know? Wow. And I was like... I, 
It was a talk back night. I jumped to my feet, standing ovation. I was like the only one. He goes, oh, sit down, sit down, sit down. Thank you. Thank you. Did you see Marie and Rosetta? The other ones? Yeah. I love that. Okay, I gotta yeah. go see it because yeah. you. Thank you. You're the first person, but I. I that sounds like something I love because you learn something. You're moved. You're yeah. emotionally transported. Yeah. Yeah. So Karen Racanelli. Yeah, too. I'll so give I'll give Karen Racanelli a plug. So Karen Racanelli for many many years was not well. Michael Sunkel's production. She had a huge part at Berkeley Rep. She was like a big job at Berkeley Rep. Somehow, in I don't know what customer relations something. He did one show there, and, yeah. and she was. And he was like. I want you. Ah, okay. <laughs> and he hired her, and that's all she does now. She has one client, and it was so all funny. Wherever he goes? I'm pretty sure oh, it's her. Wow. Is there anybody else who does this besides him? Who no, come, no, no, it's her show. His shows. No, there, <clears throat> there's no way anyone else could do it. Yeah, you know? so, so but, but I'm yeah. thinking I just could be a little known fact I just made up. But yeah. I'm pretty sure it's him because he picks a specific composer yes. to look at. Right. That's what he does. Yeah. So now I met her at an event at Z Space, and I was like, so, you know, she goes, no, my life totally changed because of a, a guy coming into Berkeley Rep and saying, you. Yeah, you. And so I was like, wow, woohoo. And she says, yeah. yeah, I got one client. I just take care of him, make yeah, sure. He just goes and goes from what I can Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's a very, keeps... very nice gal. Her husband, um, Bo, is an attorney, and he was on a, um, God, there was a great theater called, um, God, what was it called? I just blanked on it. Anyways, it was on Ninth Street. It was an alternative theater that was really fun. And Rick was on the board, so we met a lot of interesting people. Hmm. What do I want to call it? I can't, I'm stuck with the workshop, but I don't know what it's called. Anyways, very fun, so that's how I met them, but, I you see. know, smart yeah. people. All right. So, um, go to Marie's show. Please. She's very, very funny, and she's an amazing singer. Oh, thank you. And a you. great storyteller and a really good actor. I've seen all her do all those things. I know, and but she, lately she I director, just... director, and it sounds like she kind of had a lot of say in how this was, how this was done. <laughs> I have a fabulous show. director, Rick Seamus. I yes, should Rick mention, Seamus. Rick was a, a, lived here for any numbers of years, an incredible director, and then went down and taught at San Diego for uh -huh. 30 years, and he just retired, and he is, he's really incredible. And very, yeah. very specific, very smart. He got a PhD from Berkeley in directing, and wow. he's a colleague of Danny Shea's, and he also, but he, um, his uh, thesis for his doctoral thesis was incredible songs from failed musicals. Oh. So he's a fountain of information Wonderful. about. Yeah, he's given me so many great songs to sing. Yeah. There are a lot of good songs from failed musicals. Isn't it sad how they just? Oh my God! Well, uh, gosh, what was that show? I, like I was in a terrible it. show uh, years ago, Wildcat, that had one good song in it. I played the Lucille Ball role. What a surprise! Hey, look oh, me Wildcat, over, yeah. lend me an ear, blow. Oh, yeah. So that was the one song. It was one and done. It was like the first song, and it was really good. But then, Act Two. Um, started with a male quartet singing a song called Tall Hope and it slayed me every night it was and it's one of Cy Coleman's first shows oh, yeah. it's just out of nowhere a beautiful piece of music just sung so beautifully so like even though a play can be like or a musical can be just completely like why did I even give you two hours of my <laughs> that's my dog that's the dog well, 15 and a half the world's greatest dog um you know, why did I give two hours of my life to this event? And then you hear a song like that, and you're just flattened. You're like, wow, okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. some of them should not be revived. <laughs> no, no, some should not be revived. 
there there are failed musicals that were failed for weird reasons on Broadway. Did you did you do any of those? Yeah, I, at Moon. Yeah. Yes, I did. Um, did Silk Stockings fail on Broadway? I don't think it was a big hit. Yeah. I did that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I saw that. That I, was I did fun. I Erin, which actually never made it to Broadway. Yeah, I saw that, too. And that's a great show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did The Student Gypsy, which I love. Dave Dabrowski and I still talk about it. And it was written by the guy who was from Alamina. I get he's got a name like Bedrosian or Shorosian, but he also wrote Little Mary Sunshine. Uh-huh. So that was his type. And the show is perfect. I, you know, it's got no name recognition, but it's a stupid, it's a spoof. He wrote spoofs, yeah. basically, about a German operetta, and I played the drunk gypsy yeah. who a baby was switched at birth, and that's basically it, right? But sing, spiel, yeah, that was a song. Really, yeah, really great. Yeah. But <clears throat> it was it was opened. It yeah. got fabulous reviews. And then the newspapers went on strike. And there was no way to spread the word. And it was undercapitalized. And it only made, like, it only limped through, like, three weeks. And it got 100% great reviews. And it's so, Yosarian or something like that. It broke his heart. He never wrote again. And so it's sad. so fun. And, mm. and it, you know, Moon doesn't even bring it back. They brought a, they did a concert version of Part of My English, which I also loved. Yeah. And that opened on Broadway, and it was the Gershwins. And then a few days, like within three weeks, the Reichstag was burned to the ground by the Nazis. Oh, and it, it was this entire show was celebrating Germany. We love Germany. We love Germany. And not one person in New York loved Germany. Bad timing. Bad yeah. time. And the, and the Gershwins um, separated themselves from the show. They um, didn't want to remember it yeah. because they were so angry. So it had right. to be rediscovered and they had to find the music. And it's yeah. a wonderful show. Wonderful. I think for Nymph Aaron, Dave had to look uh, all over the place. Yeah, that's Dave Dabrowski, who's also your musical director. Lucky who's a fantastic me. musician, an amazing pianist. Yeah, all great styles. Great arranger. All yes. around amazing. I for, I'm forcing Dave to sing, too. You're kidding. Yeah. He hates to sing, doesn't he? Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you got to go see Maureen. Well, you know, um, and I'm emboldened because there was a book out, um, yeah. not last year, no, last year whatever that was, 2018. And I heard the guy being interviewed on Terry Gross and I almost crashed my car uh, because something I've always observed running these big musicals and actually watching my daughter come home from choir practice and me myself being in a choir for many years, that singing with other people makes you feel better. It actually heals you a little yeah. bit. So I've always, this has always been something that I've, I've observed. It's completely unscientific. And so it's I'm a driving. Or something. Or well, I'm driving along, and, and this guy, he wrote a book called The Art of Timing, and it was a good book. You can Google it, but it's basically about timing. When do you ask for a raise? When do you ask for a prom- uh, promotion? When is the best time to... So it's all, this, it's all this sort of scientific stuff. And then out of nowhere, he goes on a tangent. And he kept saying, join a choir. But a musical is the same thing. Mm-hmm. You where you're singing with a group of people. And he said that the, the benefits of singing with other people, not by yourself, are being discovered by scientists. And one of them is a your pain threshold is raised. There's an improvement, a marked improvement to your autoimmune system. It can be a cure for depression and obesity. And so there is a general mood 
mood that descends over the group, which is a, a good feeling. And then it also happens if people have to force to learn synchronized steps. Yeah. So, so, and so I, I just, I, totally I, agree. I almost crashed, I we almost crashed my car. Yeah. I just thought I'm so emboldened now because it's said, so this is what my goal is. Always and this is what you've been doing with kids. For yes. Years, I've, right? I've always observed yeah. it, no matter yeah. crabby they are. And you've experienced it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know this to be true and people who've done it. But now the true. science backs us up. Yeah. So great. I'm really happy about it. And, and I definitely believe incorporating the physical movement in with it adds another dimension mm -hmm. and yeah, but it, it, it creates uh, people but, but, the, but the thing that's so upsetting is my daughter's a student teacher in a class now a first grader and many people aren't comfortable with the concept of singing they think that they have to have a perfect voice so she or she's a student teacher in a class first grade and there's no music in the class mm -hmm. and it's a very it's a kind of a sea change as a society we moved away from that notion and it's very different I think it actually started happening once recorded music happened people stopped singing to each other they started listening to yeah. somebody else sing but um you know i so i my daughter is starting her own classroom and so i'm saying well what are you gonna do she says oh god we're a lot more music just when in doubt just cram music in because i think it is a very effective tool to change people's moods and um and so i i, I really feel that so when that's how I said, so then even Dave, you know, he comes over, of course, I make him get up early for rehearsals and stuff. And then at the end, he's always like, okay, now I'm in a good mood. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Now you're in a good mood. I force you to work for two hours. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> we could be digging ditches, Dave. <laughs> yes. I love him. Oh, yeah. He's so talented. I, you, you don't realize. Gracie, stop. Wait, wait, well, you have to, the, the show I just did. Um, you know, we had a, a, a rehearsal pianist every night. He's playing too loud, mm. you know, and I'm having to like push my damn voice to sing over the damn piano, oh. which I shouldn't have done. Well, you know. But because I actually was, when I'm not mic'd, I'm used to, so used to for years because I did so many musicals there, where Dave always plays the right volume. Because he knows how to accompany. Yeah, and you never have. You still hit the piano, but you never feel like you have to push your own voice to play, sing over the well, piano. Well, it's an accompanist. It's yeah. very different. It's very different. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so it uh, well, a, it's definitely a skill. I it's, wish you could see. Uh, so I also, for many years, ran. Um, musical theater camps. In fact, I didn't do one this summer because I was working on this show, and I realized the two things together would kill me. But. Um, so one of the things that I have, it's a two-week camp, and on the, the usually the second week I have what I call a, a, a fake audition. So I teach them some audition tricks, you know, put, put yeah. an X on the Take square. The <clears throat> well, just the yeah. idea of yeah. uh, the idea. There's tricks, you yeah. know. The, here's how you talk to the pianist. Here's how you introduce yourself. You look above their heads. Just yeah. very, very simple tricks, and I encourage the children yeah. to do it. And of course, you know, it, when you have like 40, 50 people, there's always certain people that are in line and. You know, blah, 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 blah. But, I, you know, and so not everybody does it, but I say, you know, it's the hardest thing to do. So then Dave is, well, the one time I actually, Dave couldn't do it. He had to show, so I asked Ken Brill to do it. So I said, um, I said, so you really never know, because the person at the piano could be the producer's son. It could be the actual music director who's going to choose you, or it could be just an audition pianist. But you, this is the person, this is the most important person. You want a very good relationship yeah. with the pianist. I said, like, Ken, you've played a lot of auditions, haven't you? And Ken turns and he says, I hate playing auditions. <laughs> I said, okay, and then you have that. You have that. You have that, too. You know, so, but anyways, but Dave, so children either go really fast, 
Yeah. Or they go completely off pitch. Oh. So I've seen Dave like speed up really fast, lead on, or like bang, 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 hit the pitch until they're oh, back. Oh, <laughs> just he, oh my God, it is a skill. I always say I should tape this because it's just amazing to witness how he supports them <laughs> just like all over the map. I'm like, let's come back to the melody in here somewhere. And it's really good. And then, and, yeah. you know. It, it, Auditioning for musicals is, a, is a, something you need to practice. I mean, you really need to just practice auditioning, you know. I remember, I didn't start okay. doing musicals until I was probably, oh, my late 30s, because someone like begged me to be one. Mm -hmm. I was in it. It was applause at the Willows. Yeah. And then I said, I'm not going to go audition for musicals. Oh, my God. The first, like... <laughs> Three musicals I tried to audition for. What the most like embarrassing moments of my life? Well, hello, I, I remember the words. The songs were in the wrong key. key. Oh, the songs in the wrong key. I'm when like, the song starts and it's in the wrong key, and you realize, too high for me. oh, I should have probably checked this. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. Whoa. Sure. There's yeah. a lot of tricks. A lot yeah. of tricks. And then after, then after you do it, then it's easy. But it's just a matter of um, just learning. Well, you have to audition. It's, yeah. it, actually, I think it's easier to audition for straight plays. You know. I, do you know Clea Blackhurst? Do yeah. you know, in case, so Clea Blackhurst is an actress from uh, New York City that came out and worked a, um, we all sang at this amazing uh, 50th uh, wedding anniversary party at uh, Ritz Carlton in Half Moon Bay. Thank you very much. And uh, Ooh, nice. she was, yeah, thank you. She was the, um, the MC. And so when people would be singing, we're talking, we were just, you know, chatting and, you know, and she's wonderful. She's a great sense of humor. And then she said, you know, I'm, I'm doing a play now. And I said, you mean not a musical? And she said, yeah. And I said, Wow, what's that like? She said. I said, you don't have to learn lyrics. No, no lyrics. I never have to worry about whether I'm on pitch or not. I yeah. never breathing doesn't seem to be a problem. I never yeah, think yeah, about exactly. that. I never think about like how my throat is doing. I just sort of listen to the other person and say my line. It's kind of amazing. And I was like, <laughs> totally. You have to learn more words, but in terms of like all the physicality, yeah, stuff, right. it's, it's like so much easier. Dancing. Usually. There's no dancing no, in yeah, a yeah. unless unless it's like a, a like a, a you know um, a situational comedy or a, or like a, a very physical comedy. Oh, farcy then, then it gets different. Well, you uh, know, you do tons of that. Yeah, oh, but, but um, not, not, I haven't been in a play in a long time. But yeah. hey, anybody? I but I've seen you in musicals where you have to do a lot of physical. Oh comedy. yeah, you're yeah, very, not very good at it. Well, I, I was in. I've been in like what. I, Four productions of Noises Off, so I. I well, there you go. Noises Off is the, the exact very show that physical. Of. Yeah. yeah, very, very that's, physical. That's, that's sort of like doing a musical. Yeah, well, yeah. it's very choreographed. Yes. It has yes. to be choreographed. Yes. Right. But in the idea that you have to do choreography like everybody else, I have a very, yeah. you know, I always have to explain to children, I said, it just doesn't make sense intellectually. But when everybody's moving, at the same time, doing the same together, it's very magical. And the yes. audience doesn't know why they like it, but they like it. Yes. Intrinsically, they know it's hard to get that many people to do the same thing. Yeah. So I said, that's why we all it's have to be on the same foot. Yeah. 
We all have to be on the I said, because that's what we're going for. We're trying to like flip them out. We want to flip them out. And the way you do that is you do it all the same. It just doesn't make sense. I explained to this child with autism. He was like, I don't understand. And I'm like, there is nothing to understand. It's just like, and when he slowed down in a performance and actually went on the beat with this, um, dance move uh, during a show. The boy was in eighth grade. Um, everybody in the booth noticed what uh, Nathaniel was doing and we all burst into tears. It was like he got it. He got it. He didn't get it intellectually, but he got it on a spiritual level. That was was so beautiful to witness because he just, he just didn't get it. He didn't understand what was the point. Right. I have to say, I know I've known a couple of actors on the autism spectrum, and once they get to a certain level, they all have this incredible um, uniqueness to offer that other people don't have. Mm -hmm. I found, and mm -hmm. it just—it's mind-boggling. It's mind-blowing mm -hmm. every time I've seen it. There must be a lot of people in Hollywood who, who are on the spectrum. I'm thinking. Yeah, possibly, yeah. possibly. And they hide it or whatever. Yeah, and, and I've yeah. had uh, several young people come to my camps, yeah. and um, one had a, 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 psychologist, a psychologist who called me up, and he said he had grown a lot. And I said, you don't have to tell me that. I saw it happen in yeah. front of me. Yeah. I saw it happen because, he, you know, he, had, he was actually pretty soon was in, you know, mainstreamed into schools and stuff like that. Yeah. Just a wonderful kid. And he made, you know, you played that impromptu game, Bus Stop, where everybody's at a bus stop and everybody is supposed to, you take a piece of paper, and you're the cheerleader, yeah. you're the worry ward, you're the, um, you're a politician, you're the, uh, you know, the, uh, the bad guy. Yeah. And, you, and you have to do it's something. Impromptu. You have yeah. to, like, pick a character and then everybody in the, the audience has to say, bad guy. We're reward, you know. Uh, oh, guess thief, who you are. Thief, yes, right? I love that. It's so much fun. And this young guy, guy with Travis, was his name, and he. I didn't make the list. I have assistants that run the improv game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they gave him me, <laughs> and he did me so perfectly. I almost had to be peeled off the ground. It was so funny. He was just wandering around. I love Pilates. Be sure you do Pilates. <laughs> like. <laughs> light feet, light feet, everyone, light feet, smile, <laughs> Pilates, <laughs> hold your stomachs in. It was like, it was like watching yourself a mirror, just like, oh no, stop it, Travis, too real, too real. Was yeah, really, yeah. Really my favorite. Thing. Well, I, I, I was, I meant, I meant like high functioning people on the spectrum. You know, it's like, and then, and then, you know, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That boy who was in 14 who finally danced right, he didn't speak until he was in fifth grade. Really? Wow. Yeah, wow. yeah. Very, very cool kid. And then yeah. his mother worked very hard, the majors worked very hard to, uh, you know, just help Nathaniel become a full person. So they, they saw his skills. And then when he went to high school, he became the baseball team statistician. He was a oh. baseball maniac news facts figures blah, 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 yeah. and he became the scorekeeper for the baseball team and then uh, so from his freshman year on here was this young man who was like the baseball team's favorite person and blah 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 and he had an, an amazing high school That's life great. you know very very good kid great yeah. kid yeah. yeah I loved him very nice yeah well 
Thanks okay, for, I've talked your ear off. talking with me today. Talked your ear off. Okay, that's good. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> I, I, we could go on for another two hours. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. that'd be sad for anybody listening to it. <laughs> Shut up! God. Right, so. Yeah, my daughter was leaning out the window yeah. of our house a million years ago, and the woman across the street was like out at 11 o'clock at night calling for their cat. Baby! Baby! And my daughter was like, it's a hot night. The windows are open. She's finally, it's a cat! Because <laughs> our cat's always just, you know, came in through the cat door like, it's a cat! Gotta slay! Cats come back. Yes, They're kid. like pigeons. Yes, kid, don't worry. <laughs> yes, actually. I love it. All right. So, May 18th, 7 p.m., Oasis, San Francisco. Yes. Very affordable, twenty to twenty to twenty and forty dollars. Yeah, I got it twenty one though. Yeah, and good and good uh, uh, during prices. They, they are. I have had them myself. I can tell you. Yeah, it's a very affordable evening. Yeah, All right, very fun. Three. Right, thank you. Ray. All right, so that wraps up my conversation with Maureen. Boy, that was a lot of fun. She could probably have gone on for four hours, but I had to get going. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Green Room On Air, a part of Green Room Radio, and my name is Ray Renati. And remember, keep your pants on. Be good little boys and girls. Be nice to each other. Until next time, I will see you on the boards. Good night, everybody.